What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Home with the Cousins. We know there is no straight line through a construction project, and it's our goal to help you zig and zag in the most efficient manner possible to save you time, money, and heartache throughout the process. In this episode, we are talking to DIY Network's million-dollar contractor, New York City-based general contractor, Mr. Stephen Fanuka. This guy is the real deal, man. When it comes to running some of the highest-end jobs in the country, and there is nowhere harder to work nowhere you need to be more organized than when you're working in Manhattan. Small elevators, strict working hours, and absolutely no parking. You need to have a perfect plan in order to execute projects for your clients. So without further ado, let's talk to the man himself and see how he makes it all happen. Hello. Mr. Fanuka. Hello there, sir. How are you? Not bad. Is it John or Anthony? It's both of us, man. You got us both. I'm here, buddy. I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> no. hey buddy i'm here i'm here don't worry i'm here <laughs> <laughs> look at you guys so where 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 is this podcast located in new jersey this podcast is mobile baby you never know where we are i like it i like uh, it now we're hanging in my apartment in jersey city man i was i was really hoping we were going to be able to get together for this one it, and it's so funny we're right across the river but man everybody's running in so many damn different directions I'm uh, I'm just glad you had the time uh, that you could hop on the phone with us. Ah, uh, no, it's not a problem. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I'm sorry. That, I mean, look, if we would have, we probably could have figured out a way during the day where I could shoot out there, like on a, you know, like at eleven or twelve o'clock, and then shoot back into Manhattan. I have no issues with that. And then, if in the future you feel like you want to do something where we videotape it. Then we'll make you know we'll make the time and the effort to go ahead and make it happen. Well, listen, I, I imagine we'll be doing more than one episode with you because you are uh, you are a wealth of knowledge, my friend. Um, so uh, uh, I'm getting old. I'm starting to forget everything. Oh come on, get <laughs> out of here! That'll never happen. I damn, I, I, I ask myself in the morning. I go, "Am I really a contractor? Really? <laughs> really? All I know is I, I all I know is I see you posting videos. I'm guessing of employees or whoever you're making fun of. Choo choo. Who is that? Who's Choo Choo? His name is Choo Choo. Choo Choo. His real name is his real name is I, I have I have nicknames for pretty much everybody in the company. Doesn't shock me. And and there's a lot of people. And Choo Choo, his real name is Luis. We call him Choo Choo because he's so are we allowed to curse on podcasts, by the way? You fucking right podcast. we are. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. <laughs> Choo Choo is, is so fucking slow <laughs> that we call him Choo Choo because he's Choo Choo Oh my chugga, god chugga, He couldn't be any goddamn slower oh and, but it, 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 it's a beautiful job but by the time he's done you're already out of business and selling tomato <laughs> Hey he's a very meticulous man I like that he's, he, he wants it oh, perfect he's metic- Oh my god and then, and, then, and then when you ask him why aren't you finished you spend 15 minutes trying to figure out what the hell did he just say? Oh my was he God. cursing at me or was he giving me a reason? <laughs> I think he just called me a little a little woman. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. So, anyway. so how, many, how many employees do you have? We have somewhere, I, I would say somewhere, last I counted, we were probably in the low 40s. Oh, wow. Wow, holy cow. I was that's, talking, that's no joke, man. That's a ton of people. No, no, we're about low 40s and then we have about I've got maybe two hundred full time trades. Hey, let me ask you a question. So, were you doing were you doing a job on Twenty Sixth Street across from Rachel Ray Studio the other day? Uh, 
That's funny because I was there this morning. Oh, because yes. we we were on we were on uh, Rachel last week. We shot with her, and uh, as we pulled up, I saw I saw the Fanuka truck out front. We were at two thirty six, which yep. is pretty much right across the street from you. There you go. Very That's good. Right, yeah. And I was there I was there this morning as well. We have an apartment over there that we're uh, helping out with. So Sweet. so if you had to uh if you had the ballpark it, how many jobs do you think you got going on right now? About fourteen. Holy wow, shit. Wow, that's great. That's nuts. About fourteen about fourteen jobs. Is it is it uh, all one, Manhattan? One townhouse, uh thirteen in Manhattan and one in Long Island. Wow. Cool. Wow. Somewhere around there. At any given time, we have anywhere from, you know, I'd say 14 is the happy number. At less than 14, I start to freak out. Then I start to figure out where the hell the next paycheck is coming from. Well, with, with, with 40 employees, man, you got a serious burn rate. you got to keep all those, uh, all those people moving and grooving. Oh, it's, it's, it's a finely tuned machine. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's no one person can run a company and actually think it's going to be successful. It's got to you got to delegate the authority and the power and everyone's got to make their own decisions. And I always tell people, if I'm not staring at you, that's a good thing. Nah. The minute I come up to you. Yeah. And the minute I come up and I ask a question, my eyes on you, right. that's the worst thing I could ever happen to you because I'm probably not going to take my eye off until I fire you. <laughs> and it's just a matter of my questions and when it's going to happen now. Well, you know, it's a, that's a great segue into um, into what we really want to talk to you about here today. And, and I don't know if you've had time to, to catch any of these episodes yet, but the idea behind Home with the Cousins here is that we want to give homeowners uh, real tools for planning and executing their their construction projects, not their DIY projects, not not some fun weekend stuff. How to communicate with your general contractor? How to work with an architect? How to how to build out your plan? How to be prepared so that once hammers start hitting walls and the dust is everywhere, you can get through this thing in an organized manner, a fast manner, saving time, money, and heartache through that that whole process. So, getting somebody like you from the general contracting side, uh, who is not a one man band by any means 40 employees 14 jobs going on this is some some serious general contracting work in if i may say probably one of the hardest cities to work in in the country if not the hardest um, the hardest yeah i we, we you know we really want you know your best practice uh, the, the 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 things that we can talk about to share with homeowners how they can best be prepared to work with somebody like yourself what they can have ready to go so that when you meet with them you're already a step ahead of the game instead of being on your heels got it i think i think that'll help a lot of people cuz you know a lot of people you what to do or had like a real basic idea and moving around the country and speaking to audiences, you really, you really realize they don't have a clue. Well, and kind of really don't. And you know, Fanuka, the, the, the whole idea for this podcast stemmed from doing just that, you know, going around traveling and, and giving talks. And you know what, what we really figured out is that's fair. They're not in this line of work. They don't, you know, most most people in their lives, if they do one, two, maybe three renovation projects, 
it's going to be a lot. And there's a shit ton of information and knowledge to know and understand. And then the anxiety comes in and the decision making. And I've never done this before. So the idea of sharing all this information and just getting this out there so people can at the very least feel a little bit better knowing what they're getting into was was the entirety of the reason for doing this thing. I think if the Pope was going to come to Jersey City right now, you'd be sainted. <laughs> sainted? I'll tell point. you what. That's the, to, let me tell you right now. If Anthony becomes sainted. I think they should make a pasta dish. I think they should make a pasta dish after you. Oh, my God. If Anthony becomes sainted, then then I've seen it all. Oh, yeah. Then I have truly seen it all. Yeah, I, 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 don't, know, uh, I don't know if the Pope's going to be a big fan of me over here. Uh, but, you know. Carino, you may have to shave, though. But, you know, <laughs> you Listen, I'm like working. That um, you look like something out of that HBO that <laughs> motorcycle movie. What's it called? I'm, uh, I'm working on my fall beard, bro. Come on, leave me alone. <laughs> Not November yet, buddy. Not November. <laughs> Not November. It's almost. I'm, it's getting close. I'm getting a jump start on it's it. It's getting close. It's about recess pieces, not about hair on your face. <laughs> don't, don't you laugh too hard. Jesus You think I don't watch Jack I don't watch your little videos online? I try to do a squat. I fucking couldn't walk for three days after. Oh I just was Let me tell you right now. The fact that you just called me Jack Lane, I'm going to I'm going to take that's a really good compliment. That's that, 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 that's that's an icon. That's an icon no, in the no. fitness world. It's, it is an icon, and if you're willing to try the velour jumpsuit like he wears, oh. <laughs> oh my god, I would love to do that. That actually would be amazing to post a video in one of those <laughs> jumpsuits. As like much that. as I'm sure everyone would love to see that, uh, Fanuka, I would love Halloween. to. What should he be for Halloween? Oh my god. Um, I don't know. Jack, hmm. Jack Lalane, baby. That's it. You got it. You hit You hit it right John there. LaLanne. <laughs> John Lalane. John <laughs> Lalane. Where's Johnny? Anthony? He's over there putting the Lord Jump. Uh, uh, if, I could reach through, if I could reach through this phone right now, Fanuka. He's sitting here saying, are we seriously talking about this? <laughs> John and tights. <laughs> oh, my no, God. No, no, no. He's, no, what he's doing right now is flexing his goddamn bicep. Get out of here, <laughs> you freaking Look at that. Romantic. Oh god. Well, let me uh, it's, let me ask you this. Um, I know you. We know that your father started the company in 1967. What? And then you took it over. Of course, I'm assuming sometime. What was it after college? After your first job? Is that when you? Don't worry. I, I did, we do your, we do the homework you, you on you, buddy. The, you literally read the first two sentences of, on Wikipedia, and then you went on to something else, didn't you? <laughs> we we're doing we're, we're doing we're doing the research on you. So you started it after after your first job. What was I guess really what was the 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 impetus of you getting involved in this profession? What happened was I was a cabinet. My father apprenticed me to become a cabinet maker. Okay, so. All throughout high school, all throughout college, I was working for my dad. He wouldn't even let me go away to college because of, uh, because of he wanted me to come to work for him. So I wasn't allowed to go away to college. But, but yeah. you did. No, I went to St. John's University. Well, that's still kind of going away. I mean, isn't it? Well, it's like 16 blocks away, and Run DMC wrote a song about it. So is it really a university? That's true. Okay. But, um, but I went to St. John's. And which was a good school. It was fine. Uh, long story short, 
I became a cabinet maker. I went to work with my dad. And back then, there was only three people in the company. It was my father. It was me. And it was another guy named Mario. And me and Mario would literally build the cabinets and then go install it. And he would get the work. And we would come back. We would build the cabinets. And then we go out and install it. So Simpl it was simpler a, times, huh, Steve? Oh, big time. This is nineteen. Uh, I graduated in eighty-five. I think eighty-six. I graduated. So this is around, you know, in the eighties, eighty-one, eighty-two, eighty-three. And then, uh, and this is what we were doing. This is what Fanuka. It was. It wasn't even called Fanuka Inc. It was called Fanuka Custom Cabinets. Gotcha. That was the name of the company. My father had one truck, and. He's old school European. If you watched Everybody Loves Raymond, picture a European version of Raymond's father. Right. It was that. Gotcha. He had a van and he took a magic marker and literally wrote on it Tanuka Inc. Three <laughs> oh inches tall. Oh, my God. We're not spending money on I was going to say, he didn't no, want to spend no, money. No, I was no, just no. going to say, he didn't want to spend money on, on lettering the truck. Oh, man. Nope. Not even lettering the truck. He wrote it with a magic marker and that was a company. And then one day, a painter came up to me while I was installing a cabinet and he said, you know, I've been watching you now for years because we've worked with this guy for years. I, I've known you since you were a kid and I really think you have some promise in you. And he's trying to imply to me that I'm not in the right, not, I'm not in the right spot. I should be doing something else in life. And I'm like, so what, you want me to quit my job? What do you want me to do? My father's going to kill me. Yeah, my father's got a magic marker on that truck, man. I got to pay for it. <laughs> so, long story short, uh, he said he had a client, and she wanted someone young, ambitious, uh, someone green. He used the word green, meaning not green like I want to recycle, but green like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Right. Yep. Right. And uh, otherwise known as otherwise known as cheap. <laughs> exactly. You know what? In in hindsight, yeah, that was pretty much what it yeah. was. Yeah, and, uh, they want, they want someone, a free. I want someone young, stupid, and doesn't know what the hell he's charging <laughs> yeah. me, and I want, oh my God. Take, I want to take advantage of him. Yep. So that person was Imelda Marco. And that was my first contracting gig. Wow. Wow. Um, she hired me, and till this day, uh, it was a Park Avenue project, and it was probably still the hardest job I ever had to do. Wow. Uh, you know, I learned a lot on the job the hard way, but that was my first job. And then all these other people who were watching me grow up as a kid. Now, remember, my dad was bringing me around when I was seven, eight, nine years old. I was sitting on a compound can and he was working and I was just watching. He would just bring me, sit me there and watch. These people remembered that kid in the corner. Yeah. Now they heard that I'm doing contracting. Some of these people actually reached out and gave me a job and little by little, you know, I went for three, four years on my own, doing my own PMing and, you know, doing maybe two jobs, one or two jobs at a time. And I didn't want to grow. I didn't want to expand. I Scary had no times, choice. man. I had no choice. So, and, and, this was, and Steve, this was you more doing PM work, not doing the physical work. You, you were, you were the one managing or, or were you doing both? I was doing both in the beginning. And then it just, it became impossible. I, I, I couldn't go see a job. I couldn't write checks. I couldn't call people. I couldn't price jobs because I was stuck in the shop building cabinet. Right. So, you know, and then uh, I'll never forget when I came into the shop, 
I came in with a fax machine. A fax machine. I thought... <laughs> what are those I again? Like, a fax machine. Remember one of those? It was right after the eight, it was right after the eight track tape player. You're really dating yourself here, pal. <laughs> Dude, I'm 37. I just want to put that out there. 37. Yeah. You're younger than. Okay. You're younger than. Okay. <laughs> okay. 37. 37. My ass, buddy. You wish. <laughs> just turned. I just turned 52 uh, about three weeks ago. Congratulations. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, someone put it. I'm on the back nine, officially on the back. Uh, nine. Actually, on the back nine. It's age is it's just a, a number. It's just a number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when I said fax machine, you were like, "Oh shit, that's a kid." <laughs> so, so, so I got a fax machine, and my dad left the office. He was so pissed off oh that he walked out and went home. Now, can you imagine what happened when I brought a nail gun and a compressor to the shop? Oh my god! He did. He fired me. He fired me. You can't fire me. I'm a contractor now. You actually work for me. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's nice. That, that That's nice. Yeah, well, eventually. Eventually, exactly. He did, he did a lot for me. My dad's still around. Recently. No, I know you. I, I mean, yeah, I, I I've read articles. I've, you know, I, I haven't met your dad, but I know you guys are close. And, and it, that's, that's awesome because it's not always the case when you work together, especially in, in this field. It's, uh, I mean, my dad and I still have a great relationship as well. But, man, it wasn't without its bumps and bruises along the way because it's a, it's a tough business, you know. And, and when it's family and European family like, like we both are, are from, Croatian, Italian, whatever, it, you know, it can, it can get heated, uh, to put it mildly, I would say. <laughs> Some strong personality. Strong personality. You want to hear a funny story? Go on. As as I'm telling you this story, grab the Instagram my Instagram account mm -hmm. and go look at the picture of my dad sitting on a step. He comes out of the house. He wants to give me vegetables, so he comes out of the house. He puts his shoes on, and no joke. I look down. I go, "Is that your big toe sticking out of your shoe?" I see He's it. Like yeah. I go, but dad, <laughs> I. I, I What's your big toe doing out there? This is He's a like, great photo. Shoe is, perfectly, shoe is perfectly fine. Long story short, I have to take a photo of him because I want to make fun of him uh -huh. on social media. He doesn't so want to buy. I, he doesn't want to buy a pair of shoe. He'd rather have his big toe stick out the front of the shoe. But here's the best part: if you look at the photo, when I said, "Hey, Dad, let me take a picture of you," he posed. He posed for the photo like it's like this. He's got the, the the elbow on the lap, yep, the, the yep. fist under the chin, the classic European pose. Like this is a serious photo here. This is going somewhere. I was like, it's going on social media. I'm about to make fun of you. Oh my okay? god! Okay, still gonna still gonna pose the way I'm supposed to with the big toe sticking out of it. Just so everyone knows, he's absolutely right. His father is sitting on the stoop with his one leg up, his elbow resting on his knee, and his loafer has a massive. Hole in the front of it, and his big toe. Now, well, Steve, we'll have, we'll have all your socials uh, linked in the <laughs> show notes. So if you if you got if you guys want to if you guys want to check out uh, Fanuka's father with the toe out, which I highly recommend, it is extremely entertaining. Uh, check out the Instagram. Link. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's hysterical. We got someone. Hold on, we got someone waving at me here out on the highway. You know, it's funny. Even though the show's over, I still people will still come up. They'll still come up to the car. And I'm sure you guys have the same thing. Same thing. Wherever you are, people will still come up to you and they'll say, man, do I miss that show. I loved your show, man. Your show was awesome. Yeah, that's great. It's a great feeling when, you know, you do something that you're proud of and, and we were all fortunate enough to, to be able to do it on television and, and share it with a lot of people. And, um, 
you know, it's, it, it, the other thing John and I were talking about when we got this thing started was the show is a lot of fun. And we got to do a lot of things, but we didn't get to really impart a lot of knowledge. We got to show people cool designs and, and different projects. And the podcast is kind of a way to, to share the, 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 the down and dirty, the behind-the-scenes information, all the work that went into these episodes, um, you know, in, again, in, in hopes of just helping people through, through their, own, uh, their own projects here. You know what, what people don't understand is when we were doing the show, the show is your show, my show. A lot of shows aren't, but yours and mine were, were real. Yeah. And how much effort it took to actually make an episode, it, it really like it really took up 80% of the time that we actually had available to ourselves. Yes. And then the other 20% had to go back to you know doing the other things that you need to do to make sure everything is done. I mean, the business, the contracting business, and everything. I mean, you know, and we we were we we had a much smaller company than 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 you do, and it, it crushed us. It absolutely crushed us. Yeah, a lot of people thought my a lot of people bet that Sanuka Inc. would go out of business because of Million Dollar Contractor because I couldn't focus. They thought I wouldn't be able to focus on everything else. Right. That entailed to run a business because you're doing a TV show when, when in fact it scared me so much that I worked ten times harder. <laughs> That's awesome, man. No, and and we 100 percent understand that because you're right. Your time is monopolized, and just the same that you were giving, telling us the story about growing your business and you're nervous, you're scared, getting employees. When you do a television show, you are totally occupied with it, with the show, and to go out and get new jobs and to do it makes it very difficult, very very yeah. difficult. Yep, well, yep. so so let me ask you this: so let's let's pretend you just got a new client, and you're going to meet with them for the first time. How do you how how does your first meeting generally go? You know, do you, uh, I mean, obviously they've got to tell you about the project and you've got to see what you're working with here, but do you have like a, a set of documents you give somebody or, or a speech or a spiel that you kind of go through to let them understand what it is to, to go through this type of project, this renovation, the services you're going to provide? How do you kind of prepare your clients for what they're about to, to embark on? All right. Well, listen, any decent contractor, um, Somebody is hiring you, or say us, to take care of them. Right. Our job is to protect the client. A good contractor's job is to be that person who facilitates what's needed, but most importantly, make sure they don't get burned, they don't get screwed, and that's what a good contractor is. Now, unfortunately, there's n there's not a whole you know there's there's a few that aren't aren't feeling that they feel the let's go in. Let's make some money. Let's charge extras and screw everybody else yeah. around you. Yep. Not the way to do business. Our job is to let them know what they're in for. So the first thing I always tell my clients is, or even, you know what? I, I go one step further. I tell people what I should be doing so they know if, because they have to interview other people. So I always tell them, get at least three bids. You can't just go on my bid. Right. It's not fair to you. You have to get three bids, and picking a contractor is like it's almost like picking a, a picking a, 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 a the other half of your uh, relationship because I'm going to see you in your worst, I'm going to see you in your glory, I'm going to see you in your best, I'm going to see you at the, and that's the way it is because I'm your contractor. I'm going to be in that house when you walk through in your boxes by accident. <laughs> I'm going to say sorry I was standing here, but I was here, and so I always tell them 
Does the contractor, is he on time? This is a job interview. I'm going to a job interview. That's the first thing. Right. Am I on time? Am I listening to what your needs are? Am I giving you any advice that can help you, even if it's ideas? These little things when someone, like if the contractor comes 30 minutes late, he doesn't even have the job. It's like a job interview. If you walked into a job interview at some, uh, at some company and you were a half hour late, chances are you probably wouldn't even show up. You would already know you don't have the job. Right. So you'd yeah. probably send an email saying, hey, I'm sorry. I know I lost it. It's on me. Good luck finding the next guy because I suck. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. Or, you know, if the guy's not wearing a tie. So, it's, you know, it's a job interview. Be on time. If the guy's not on time, I always tell the client, they don't have a paycheck yet. Wait till you give them a check, and then you'll really see how. <laughs> that is 100% that's a, true. That's a, that's a great know? piece how, of advice. How detailed is the, are they in a rush to leave? If the person comes in and they go, listen, I got to leave. I got another meeting in 20 minutes. Mm, nah, yeah. You want someone who's going to take their time with you. And like I said, you want to feel good about this person. You don't want to hate the contractor. If you can't get along with the contractor at the first meeting or the second meeting and you just don't have it, you know, sometimes people don't get along. Right. And you got, it's, it's up to the clients to really find that, that right fit because that person, like I said, is going to see you at their best, at your worst. And you're going to have to deal with them. And, so, and, and you know what? We, we tell people that all the time. That the, the, the gut feeling is one of the biggest things as a homeowner you have to go with. You have to say, you have to say do I feel comfortable with this person? If you're not getting a good feeling, well, then how are you going to have a job that's going to go on for three, four, five, six months, longer, a year prod? I mean, there's no way. There's no way that it's going to be a good working relationship. You're 100% right. Steve, you were... And, you know, go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead, right. finish. Yeah, and, you should, and you should be getting referrals. If, you, you know, if you're new in town, I always tell people, um, if you're new in town, you don't know anybody, go to your local church. Um, go you know, even to your local... I'm not a big fan of the referrals at the hardware stores because... Those people are referring people who buy things there. But every now and then you may have get a good referral. I like, I like it through friends. Yeah. Even, even if it's just at a church congregation or a bingo match, people love, to, when someone's happy, they love to tell you their story. It's called cognitive dissonance. Go ahead, Google it, gentlemen. Cognitive <laughs> Why, we know what that is. <laughs> I know. Go ahead, Google. Google. <laughs> so, Cognitive dissonance, it's funny because I didn't know what the hell it was either. And so, but I Googled it. I Googled. And what it is, is if you buy a new car, you want to tell someone, look at my new car, check it out. It's got navigation. It's got leather seats. You want people, you're subconsciously happy. You want other people to be happy for what you have now. Right. And if you have a great contractor, those people are going to want to tell everybody, this guy was awesome. He was amazing. It's all subconscious, but they're but they can't wait to tell somebody. So the best the best referral is word of mouth to someone who's actually done the work with the person, and that's huge. And that's how it all starts. And then you make the phone call. If the people don't call you within forty eight hours, that's a problem. If they're late, that's a problem. If they're in a rush, 
That's the problem. Hey, Do Steve, they have input. Steve, you were you were starting to touch on the detail in the bid as well. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about about what what kind of detail you put in your bids because it's you know we harp on no lump sum numbers all the time. So maybe you could you could just go start going in that direction as well. The first thing when it comes to being you know getting a detailed bid, I always tell the clients you have to put something on paper. Even if you just want to list, if you don't have an architect or you can't afford an architect, fine. That's a lot, sometimes a lot, a lot of the case. If you're going to have to get a permit, you have to understand you're probably going to need an architect. So don't get the architect now because you can use that towards your bidding process. Don't hire the contractor, then hire the architect and then go get the permit. Hire the, if you need a permit, you need an architect. You need the architect, get it first. Because now you can bid it apples to apples. So when it comes down to the bid process, I like to break it down by trade. I like them to write a clause that if it's in the drawings, it's included. If it's in the drawings, it's included. And if it's and if there's any exclusions, break it out. And and just and just and just so we're clear, by saying if it's in the drawings, it's included, it means, hey, Mr. Electrician, hey, Mr. Plumber, if you miss this, that's on you. You don't get to make it a change order because I forgot to include it in my bid. One hundred percent. And I like that. It's not on the plumber or the electrician. It's on the contractor because that's his job. His job is to make sure the band is playing the music. If the violinist forgot the note because someone didn't get the sheet music, that's on the conductor, which is the contractor. Right. The contractor is the conductor, and the subs and trades are the symphony. And together, they're going to play beautiful music if they know what they're doing. There you go. And, and let me ask you this, because uh, a lot of people, and it happened to us you know, with our construction company, a lot of people would, of course, call us up. They would want to quote. But just like you said, they would not have any architectural plans. They would not have spoken to an architect. And what we would always say is, you really need to speak to an architect first. You need to start getting some drawings so I can give you a proper quote. Do you, because, in, and the one of the biggest things is team, right? Having the correct team in place. Do you tell people and tell them, I guess an architect you've worked with, do you have someone in-house? How do you kind of use that with your clients, because everyone we've talked to, and I mean, again, like we touched on earlier, when you travel the country, everybody has the same thing. I don't know an architect to contact. I don't know if I should contact an architect. So we try to educate people and say, hey, go and talk to one. So what do you what do you do in that situation? If we need a permit, if I know we're going to need, first I'll ask them what the job entails. Give me, you know, Give me, tell me what you want to do. All right, they want to put an extension. Okay, I know you need a permit now. There's no point in going further. I tell them, you need an architect. Now, there are different grades of architects. You have architects who are going to go from soup to nuts, charging 25% of construction. They're going to be there at every meeting. Then you got architects who are going to give you the design that you need. They're going to get you the permit, and they're going to leave you to make sure you get it done right, and they're going to come back, and they're going to close out the job after they inspect. Right. That's and that's probably the majority of the architects and the majority, the majority of, of what the homeowners need. It's the majority. And that's why it's so important to get an honest contractor and a good contractor. And then, you know, there's other ways to protect yourself. Let's you know, there are people who think they had the perfect art, uh, contractor and find out they didn't. Um, that's what AIA contracts are for. And you have to have a contract. But, you know, back to the bidding part first is where you got to break it out 
try to include everything you can. Make it crystal clear because, you know, a lot of people like say, oh, well, you know, that's good for the client. It's also good for the contractor. I agree with you. Because you're both, you know, you're both looking at the same piece of paper. So there shouldn't be a contractor who's afraid to do it. If there's a contractor who's afraid to put it on paper, chances are he's afraid to put it on paper because he's not going to be able to rip you off later. And that's a bad thing to them. So... That's another telltale sign. And, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, But I find that it's such short-sighted, uh, it's such a short-sighted way to do business when, when you think you're going to retire off of, off of change-ordering somebody to death. I would rather have a clear contract that spells everything out so I can move quickly as a contractor, have have the client understanding everything and that just lets me get through the job, get paid in full, turn the home back over and move on to the next, you know, piece of work. That's ideal. And that's unfortunately, you know, it doesn't happen as much as we would like it to. But the most important thing is, you know, we come second. The client, unfortunately, the client comes first, the contractor comes second. So when I say that, I mean, the most important thing is you want a happy client so they can refer you to another job, but it may have taken you four months longer to do the job, and you may have not made enough money because it took you four months longer. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you still got to make sure that that client is happy, and that's what we signed up for. We come second. They come first. And if you go with that premise and you do your job, every job, in the same manner of I'm second, you're first, I guarantee you, you're not going out of business unless you do something stupid. Because yep. there's no way you're not going to have work after that. Because people love to refer you if you do a great job. I, I have, I have some, somewhere. I think the last I looked in the 25 years I've been doing this, I think we have almost 3,800 clients. Wow. Almost 4, Whoa. Clients. We have a 4,000 client, about 4,000 on our list that still keep in touch. And that's not because we screwed them. It's because we were there for them. And, and, and any time, any day, doesn't matter. We've gone to job in the morning. Something broke. A leak was happening. And we didn't want to wait till the next morning. We got into the car and drove and went. Well, uh, I'm, in the morning. I'm going to read. I'm going to read a quote directly from your website, because what you're saying is exactly that. You said, give the client what they paid for. A first-rate job with Class A service. Make the experience a pleasurable one. One that the client will positively remember. Chances are he will tell a friend and they'll tell a friend. And we say that all the time. Word of mouth is still king. I know the internet. We all know what the internet does. We know how big it is. But it's all word of mouth. And that still is the best way to get jobs and get referrals. The number one way, the number one way is word of mouth. Exactly. And it's true. Give them what they paid for. The whole, aside from your family. Let me, let me, I want, I want to pivot on you here for a second because, you know, as much as, as you're talking about taking care of the client and, and making sure the contractor's doing the right thing, there are bad clients. Right, there are bad contractors. There are bad. There are bad homeowners. So yeah. when you feel like you're in a circumstance where you're getting screwed or have the potential to get screwed, or you're getting that feeling in your gut, how do you go about handling that situation? Because I feel like it's equally as important. And we try and impart here the 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 thought of of equality, where 
you look, we're in business to make money. We're not in business to screw you, but we're in business to make money. And as long as we're honest and we have a clear line of communication, there shouldn't be anything that we can't talk about, be it difficult or otherwise. But you know, it's when one party, contractor or homeowner, tries to take advantage of the other that shit goes sideways. So, so right. again, you know, where do you go when the homeowner, where you're feeling they're being disingenuous? Well, the first thing is that's why you have everything in paper. Sure. Uh, so the more you have in paper, the more you can talk. Now, it's the way you present yourself to the client that's going to make a difference. I always tell the client, if you're mad at me, wait 20 minutes, then call me. If I'm mad at the client, I will wait. 20 minutes, calm down, and I will call them. I'll also distinguish when I should be using an email and when I should make the phone call because sometimes emails can be misconstrued the wrong way. Sure. Um, I've, been in a, I've been in a car where I was you know, not driving, really pulled over to the side of the road, wink, wink, and I gave a quick <laughs> reply. <laughs> and I gave a quick, you know, a quick reply, which in hindsight, I thought about it and said, you know what? That sounded turt. That sounded, I don't even know what turt means, but it just sounds like a really cool word to use right about now. Tur- it it sounded smart. very sophisticated. I, I like I don't turt. Even know if it's a word. I don't even know what the word. Maybe Kurt. Maybe Kurt was the word. Sure. Kurt or turt. But either way, it just sounded rude when I look back at it. So you got to distinguish phone call or email. And most importantly, you better handle it right because if you're going to approach the client in a way that, hey, you know, you're wrong, I'm right, you got to do this very, very, it's like, it's like a bomb in your hands and you don't want it to go off. You got to be real careful about how you do it. You may want to be a little funny. Everyone's got their own manner of doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you just go to them, you're wrong, you're getting a charge, bite me, I guarantee you, you're going to have a fight. And the sad thing about those fights, you may think they only lasted a second. No, they last the whole job because that person is going to remember it and it's never going to go away. So I have a client now just wrapping it up. And in the beginning, this client actually used to send me emails in the morning that would read, good morning, just wanted to wish you a magnificent day and remind you that if I want, I could destroy your company by the end of business day. You have a fantastic day, Steve. And that was the email every Monday he would send me. He copied and pasted it to the point that I blocked him. I blocked him on email. I'm like, you're done. I didn't tell him I blocked him. I just blocked him and just talked to his wife the rest of the time. But that was the email he was sending me okay. every day. Now, he's wrong. Now, instead of go after him and, and, and curse at him, I chose to ignore it because it had no bearing on me. It's a lot but of patience, sir. It's a lot of patience. A lot of, you have to have the patience and you really, it's, it's, it's walking around landmines. You have to be careful about the fight you choose and the fight you pick. Um, I've got a client, I've got a job right now where, you know, it's on the drawings. I did it. We told them that it's probably not wise. And now they're coming back as if it never happened. And I'm like, wait a minute, we talked about this. And, you know, I, you know, gave a little laugh, like we spoke about this. I tried to make it funny. And at the end, it didn't blow up in my hands, but it had the potential because they were looking at me to do the work when, no, no, this is not, this is what you wanted. And the, the best news is I had minutes. Every meeting that we have with clients, I have an assistant who writes notes and then we type up the minutes and send it out to everybody. That's actually and thankfully, phenomenal. it was on my minutes. 
minutes, you know, every meeting we have weekly. That's another important thing. Client has to have weekly site meetings with the contractor on site and for once a week, one hour, once a week, mandatory. I take all, I write agendas for every meeting. So when we go to the meeting, we know what we're going to discuss beforehand so people can think about it. And then I write the answers and where we went with the agenda. And if something is open, it'll be open to the next meeting and it'll keep being open until it's closed. It's important to keep a paper trail of every meeting, every discussion, save your emails, because even sometimes an email can save your butt. You know, the person goes, hey, I told you blue. No, no, you told me purple. No, no, I told you I wanted a a hint of blue in the purple. I said, well, here's the email. You sent this to me. It says you want blue, not purple, blue. Oh, maybe you're right. Okay, see now, but they were ready. They were ready to have a war if I wanted to give them a war. Well, you know, I'm not gonna. Bring, I don't bring ammo. I don't bring ammo. I take my gun and leave it at the door. Well, the end of it. We don't. No, and and these are all great points. For, and I just want to go back. Uh, Turt, not a word, everyone. It's Kurt. So spelled C U R T. Just so. Uh, I just, told you. I told you. I made up the word. I make I'm a up words. I, I make up words all the time. I just wanted to put the clarification out there. But more than anything, you know, hearing you describe your process, the bidding, the communication, everything you're going through, and. This is the takeaway, I think, for everybody at home. So many people think just because you're a contractor, a general contractor, whatever your trade is, you don't have to act in a professional manner. And what you're showing people and telling people is you should be that professional. You should demand that from your general contractor. You should want them to take detailed notes. You should want them to send you notes after a meeting, have the questions, have the detail, because that is the only way a job is going to get done in the proper manner. With everything that goes on, so many things can go wrong on a job, as you know. We all know how many moving pieces there are, but you're describing and you're laying out all these tools that are going to prevent that. Now, of course, things are going to, there are going to be those things that do go wrong, but if you do all these steps that you've outlined that's where you minimize the damage. A hundred percent. And you know what? The things that go wrong, a good contractor, if it's his fault, he's going to be honorable and say, you know what? It's my fault. I'm going to make it right. Cause we're not perfect. Yeah. We're not perfect. And you know, the sad thing is you have too many people out there and, and I'm not putting, look, I'm a contractor. So if I'm putting anyone down, I'm putting myself down as well. But there are too many contractors who say, you know what? It didn't work out in law school. What the hell? I'll be a contractor. No, it doesn't work like doesn't that. Work like that. Yeah. There, there should be more rules in place by the state allowing a contractor to actually get a license instead of just taking a written 20-question test, and if you pass it, you are now a contractor. I think, I, think, uh, I, I, you know, I blame the, gov- the, the city and state for making it too easy for contractors to, to get a license, and if they would make it a little bit harder and a little more oversight, I think the whole industry would be better as a whole because it's up. It's 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 only the few people like you, Anthony, myself, who stand up for the rights of these people. Because for every one of us that stand up for a, a customer's rights, there's twenty looking at us going, I, I, that, "That's ridiculous! I'm not doing that. I just want to make money." 
I just want to. I just want to make money. I don't care about anybody. Yeah, but these Do are. That. But you're giving great advice. It's not only for the homeowner. We have a lot of contractors that listen to the podcast. This is information. Oh, yeah, yeah, this no. is information and for I, them. This is information for them, and and they ask us questions, saying, "Hey, how can we improve? How can you? How can you improve? Take some of these tools. Take some of these lessons. Be very organized. Be methodical. Make sure that you're running your business." like a business, not like it's a side job or it's a hobby, run it in the proper manner and you will succeed. And I, I think that's that's the disconnect that sometimes happens. Yep. And you know what? For the contractors out there who are listening, it's okay to start out in your basement. Yep. I started out in one of my guest bedrooms. I did my own QuickBooks. I, I had an answering machine. I didn't have a secretary. There's nothing wrong with that. Correct. What does become wrong is when you promise something and you can't keep your promise. That's the telltale sign right there that you need to fix something. You don't promise something you can't give. You make sure that before you go to bed or you close that business, that end-of-the-day business, that you've returned everybody's calls because people respect that. It's, it's, it's not that complicated. It's not that hard. Go old school. Go right back to the roots. Call people back. When you say you're going to give a proposal, give the proposal. Care. Care a little bit. Treat it like it was your own family. If you know that this person is doing something wrong, and if you build it, you're going to have to build them again, don't let that happen. Have a conscience. Go to bed with a clear head saying, I did the best that I can do. And if that's not good enough, then A, either A, need to get into another business, or B, Fix it because nothing goes smooth. There are days I feel like I'm a contractor God, that there's nobody better. And then there are days that I sit there and I go, I really suck at this. I look around and, sure. and I'm, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I go, but those are the days you're going to have. Not every day is going to be brilliant. But if you look forward to tomorrow and you are happy with today, well, that means you're doing something right. And you can apply that to being a contractor, a doctor, a lawyer, anything. Sure. It's real simple. So what Steve, you paid for. Yeah. So so pivoting away from from, you know, your specific interaction with, with the homeowner and looking now toward your subcontractors, how you know, maybe early on or 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 if you want to talk about it, it you know, as far as today or the evolution of the process, but how do you go about picking your subs, especially the ones that you've worked with on a long-term basis? I'm sure the con the electrician you started with probably isn't the guy today. Uh, I'm sure that you need multiple subcontractors in the same trade with 14 different jobs going on. So, you know, maybe a little bit of, of, of insight just as to, as to how you've built that team over the years. All right. A good contractor is an agent. He's always looking for talent. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the first. So you're constantly looking for talent. Now, ironically, the people I started with 25 years ago are still working with me. That's great. So That's awesome. Every, every single trade, the electricians that I started with, the, the tile men. But over the years, we've had to get more people because they, you know, the trick is you can't give too Everyone's going to take a million dollars if you give it to them, but can they handle a million dollars worth of work right. with six people when you need 30 people? Yeah. So we're always looking for talent. Um, 
you know, and sometimes I find them mostly through word of mouth. Um, if I need someone, I've asked other architects, I've asked other contractors, I've asked clients, you have a favorite tile man. Um, I've had people, you know, because of the show, they've walked up to me and, you know, I've had the good fortune of a lot of people coming towards me and, and showing me their resumes and their work. And, sure. But it, you're, all, you're constantly looking for talent. It's like, it's like, being, it's like breeding racehorses. You're not going to have one racehorse. You're going to have a few racehorses. And it's important that um, you treat them with respect. Uh, you can't go beating them down. You can't hold money from them when there's no reason to hold money. If you want a good sub and you want that trade to be at your beck and call, the minute you say, get up and move, and they get up and move, pay them on time. Don't make a man wait eight weeks for his money if you've had his money for four weeks already. You get the check. You write the check. Because exactly. He's got, right. bills, he's got family to feed. And that, I guarantee you that that trade will come back to work for you over anybody else because you are honorable and you paid them on time. You didn't make a deal for $100 and then say, listen, I don't have the money, so how about I give you 60 and we call it even? I'll give you $60 now and we'll just call it even. I'll make the 40 You know, And people do that. There are contractors. Do it all the time? It happens all the time. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's horrible. It's sad. So the, the important thing is you're always, look, I constantly, I have, you know, I have somewhere in the 40s people working for me. Do you know I still put an ad every week for PMs, installers, drivers, and I don't need anybody. But every week there's an ad. I put 52 times a year an ad online for different things, and I keep a file on everybody. And so if somebody had to leave or somebody you know i've had people who had to go back to their country because their mother was sick and they're gone i don't wait to the last minute to try to find a replacement i've been working all year long on your replacement right i have a whole <laughs> pile of them but that's how you have to do it you have to be prepared so i'm constantly looking for talent i'm constantly looking at other people's jobs that's another thing a lot of contractors that go oh, i'm the best I don't need to look at anybody else's work. I don't want to see anyone. As a matter of fact, I hate everybody else's work that's not mine. Nope. I appreciate other people's work. I open my eyes. I talk to them. I compliment them. I make friends with them. They're not my enemies. They're not my, they may be competitors, but at the end of the day, there's plenty of work for everybody. And we speak to each other. And, you know, I, I keep all my avenues open. I don't put any roadblocks for anybody. I don't have an ego. I'm humble. And at the end of the day, I'm always looking for the people. And I'm always gotcha. finding a diamond in the rough. And I've seen, you know, I love young, ambitious people. Um, I have a new electrician now. He's young. He's ambitious. He's licensed. He's insured. And I said, do you have any work? He's like, not really. I'm like, really? I'm like, I can... I, when you see something special, you got to grab it. Yep. You got to grab it. And, you know, and even if they depend on you, they're a little clingy, like a little child, they're on your leg. And, you know, you got to love them for who they are, knowing that I'm going to, I'm going to leave a legacy. That electrician, when I'm gone, is going to say, Steve Sanuka picked me up from the street and said, I see something in you. Just like that painter said to me, I see something in you. And I'm always looking for that something and when i find it i don't let it go and i don't give up on it well um, and and you know what 
look, a general contractor is only as good as his subs. You, you could be, you could be the best person. You can know how to run a job. You don't have the right subcontractors. I'm sorry. That project is not going to run efficiently and it's going to have hiccups. So to hear you say all this is very refreshing for the industry. And believe me, we've, we, we've been on that end sometimes where, you know, we've worked or teamed up with people and, you know, we've gotten stiffed on on being paid. And yeah, that's, that, that really, really hurts. And it's, it's horrible for that to happen. I had a job, I had a job happen to me. And by the way, it's very refreshing to hear you say that because you're right. You're only as you couldn't have put it any better. You're only as good as the people that work for you. Um, there's no I in team. Um, and it's really true. If you don't have good trades, I don't care how good of a contractor you are. You're going to pick up on all the problems, but you won't be able to fix them. Correct. Because your trade can't do it. Correct. You're not going to do it. Yep. Um, but, but it's true. It's, you know, I had a job where, um, you know, the client fired and, and look, like I said, you could be the best at what you are, but you're going to have, you're going to have your moments where you sit there. And I had a job while back years ago where, you know, the, I was telling the owner that the architect is really doesn't know what they're doing in this. It was a townhouse and they didn't know what they were doing. And I kept harping and telling them and warning them. I go, we're not going anywhere with this job. The guy doesn't have the answers. We're going to hit a wall. Well, Eventually, he listened to me, and he fired the architect, and he brought a new architect in. Well, guess what happened? The new architect wanted their contractor, so they convinced the client to fire me. Wow! And they did. They, wow! They fired. Yeah, I got fired. So, but here's where it gets crazy now. They stiffed me on the bill. Mm. They mm. stiffed me. They stiffed me for I don't know a few hundred thousand dollars and. There was a window company that I knew was just starting out. They were great. They did their work. They weren't paid 70 grand. I actually went out of my own personal private bank account and I paid them their money because I felt that a, it was a relationship that I was trying to forge with them. There's plenty of work in the future. I wanted to do the right thing. I didn't want to be the reason this person was going to go out of business and this person would have gone out of business if I didn't step in. So I paid him out of my own pocket. And that was the end of it. Yeah. I lost money. So, it, and we've had to, to lesser degrees, but we've, we, we've dealt with those circumstances. Um, so I guess this would probably be a, a two-part question from me. One, uh, what is your, your go-to method for setting up payment schedules with, with a client? Um, if you have one or, or if you use varying methods, feel free to describe them. And then, you know, when you do get stiff like this, I mean, in this particular case, it doesn't seem like you, you got any into, into any legal action. But, you know, if you have, I would certainly be curious to know, you know, in loose terms, any, any experience you have with that or how, how, you're, how you've been able to Go avoid on. it. Yeah. Give it Anthony once I'm on a podcast right now with the kitchen cousins. Good good seeing you, bud. <laughs> they drive up they, dude, they drive up to me. I was gonna say I'm on with the kitchen cousins. I'm on with Anthony give Anthony John. Hey, what's but, up, uh, buddy? Right. How we doing? <laughs> He's like, All right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, Come on a podcast. We, we, Don't you see me talking? We heard him. We heard him. That we was hysterical. How <laughs> business. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Um <laughs> You ever get hugged? I've been hugged by people, and they make me think like I have dementia. 
And I'm like, I don't remember this person. And all of a sudden, they're like, I love your show. I'm like, you don't know me? No. You just hugged me. Yeah. I go, why'd you hug me? Why'd you make me feel like I don't, like I have dementia now? Oh I don't know God. who the hell you are. <laughs> all right. Back. Uh, back on the track, man. Stop, stop that. <laughs> oh, we, right. we, we had a little, we had a little, a little sidetrack, but back on payments. Yes, getting right, paid. So you want to know? So you want to know how people, uh, how well, they? What was the first? If part? you have, if you have a a, a go to payment schedule. So if you know, if if however you right, like, you know, do you do do you do thirds? Do yeah. you do weeklies? What do you do? Monthlies. Monthlies. First thing, yep. First thing I do is you go online. There's a thing called. AIA, AIA contract, they're, they're $10, they're $10 to download. And then they also have a thing called an AIA payment request form. Depending on the size of the job, there are different formats you can use, but basically what it comes down to, uh, you actually break it down by trade. So demolition, carpentry, plumbing, framing, finished carpentry, tile work, every single facet of the job itself is broken out. So let's say, each one was $10, $10 for carpentry, $10 for demo and $10 for paint. We'll say it's a small job, okay? $30. You get paid monthly based on the percentages complete. So if the demo, the, I usually ask for 20% okay. based on whatever trades are coming in. Yep. Give me the deposit. And then the following month, I'll okay, okay. You gave me 20% to demo this month. I'm at a hundred percent demo. So I want the other 80% of the demo that was listed itemized. And now you gave me 20% for carpentry. I'm at at 30%. So I want another 10% of the carpentry. And I haven't started the painting yet um, because we're still doing the carpentry. So it's still zero. Right. And every month, based on the percentages for each trade, um, if there's no architect, the client will review it. I'll review it with the client. Sometimes we'll go back and forth a few percentages. Hey. Uh, I don't think you're at 30. I think you're at 25%. I'm not going to start a war for 5%. Fine. Right. Done. 25%. But I want a little more on this that you were giving me. Okay, I'll give you. And usually if you're accommodating with them, they'll be accommodating back with you. People are not built to fight. The first thing I learned in advertising when I was in college, make it simple, stupid. Simple. People are not built to fight. They don't want to fight. They want it simple. You just want to communicate. A, they just want to communicate. And if you give them a reason to fight, they're going to. But if you're accommodating and you're flexible and they see you're flexible, they're going to be just as flexible, if not even more. They may be even more because it's not the business like it is to us. It's a business to us. To them, it's just, I want to get along with you and I want to be happy. And that's simple as that. Simple. What, what type of uh, re- retainage do you do? Ten percent. Ten percent. So 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 ten percent for every single line item. So at the end of the job, until you pass your inspections, go through your final punch list. They hold on on the and, and and just a quick note to the listeners: um, if you guys go back and listen to the payment schedules uh, episode, you'll understand the retainage. You'll understand the AIA document that Steve's referencing. It's AIA seven hundred one and seven hundred two. Those example documents are linked to the show notes for download, so you guys can check them out and and begin to digest them. But rather than than go back through the explanations of of all the words, if you just check out the uh, the payment schedules podcast, you'll get all caught up on this stuff. And I'll give you one more better. I also say sometimes it takes, you know, that could be a little sticky, that retainage, because you've got a lot of people waiting for the money. And sometimes 
you got to wait for the you know, for the CFO. Yes. From yep. the architect. And that could, that could take a few months. Correct. So what I always tell the client is, give me half my retainage, 5% as soon as you move in. Once you move in and you feel comfortable, That's fair. give me 5% because that 5% I'm going to pay to the people who shouldn't really be waiting. That's great. That's good. The retainage. Like, why are you going to, why are you going to hold the marble man who put your vanity top? He has nothing to do with the CFO. Right. Yep. Um, the speaker has nothing to do with the CFO. Um, so certain people you want to try to pay. And, you know, if you want a little advice and how can I push the clients? Cause a lot of times the clients are on you until the last payment. And then all of a sudden the last payment, you can't even get a phone call. They don't return your call. Yeah. We know that. that. <laughs> Those are, those are the bad nuts. Those There's always going to be a bad nut in the bunch. Th- those are. But I think that's a great piece of, of advice for everybody out there. Really, if your general contractor is asking you for 5% of your retainage, that is a nice thing to do. If you're moving into the house, you're able to live there, there isn't any problem with that. So I think that's a that's a really great point that a lot of people should should use as a takeaway. Do you know what I tell them? I tell, this is how I sell it because you have to sell everything. Of course. You have to sell this. Sure. And the best way to sell it is, is look, life's a big circle. It's around. And that person, like the electrician, who you didn't want to give any money to when you moved in, you wanted him to wait. When your dimmer goes out later on after the warranty's expired or you have a plumbing leak or something breaks even two years from now, you're going to call that guy and he's going to remember you're the person who didn't want to pay your bill on time because that's how they look at it. You didn't want to pay your bill on time. So you go to the end of the line. Everything comes around full circle. Pay your trades. I pay my trades. My trades get up. They tell me when, where they're there. Client needs something. Usually we will move because they were good to us. So if you're not good to me, it's usually the contractor who gets the last laugh, not you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's so, you know, Go ahead, Steve. Sorry, finish. So it's important when you have that, you know, my, my furnace is out and it's three years after the construction project. Right. It's out because you didn't maintain it. Well, we'll show up tomorrow if we like you. Right. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and like like you equals you paid us on time and you didn't treat us like assholes and we all got along. And 100%. It's, it's, it's a two-way street. So it, it, it absolutely is. Everybody. You know, it's, it's the, the, the one thing that we've been harping on since we started this show is communication. And it, it is as simple as that. It has nothing to do with the construction industry. It has to do with people treating people like people. Yeah. That's it. It's that simple. It's a human problem. We just need to communicate, and then after we communicate, we need to do what we said we were going to do. And that goes for both sides of the equation. 100%. As much as, as, much as uh, we need clients to stay in business, they also, like I said, a contract is a very personal thing. You can't just go out in the street, find a new contractor, and expect that you're going to be happy, satisfied, and served the way you want to. There's nothing wrong with sending Christmas cards to your contractor. There's nothing, or Hanukkah cards, bonsai cards. I love it. No, but there's, there's nothing wrong with saying happy birthday. There's yep. nothing wrong with, most importantly, there's nothing wrong with telling your contractor, you did a good job and I got what I paid for. Yep. You say that, I guarantee you that contractor is going to remember you and will come to you when you need them because other than your health and your family, 
your home is your most important asset. And without a good contractor, that's the most one of the most important assets that you're not looking after. Well said, sir. Very, very well said, Fanuka. I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for for all your time here. I can't believe an hour's flown by this quickly. Uh, you I must. Do bar, I do bar, I do bar mitzvahs. <laughs> I do Hanukkah weddings. Well, I'm a rabbi. No, I'm not a rabbi. I'm just kidding. Listen, don't, I don't want anybody calling me. Listen, we got we got plenty more to talk about. So I I know we'll be doing this again. John and I are going to be uh, going to be bringing uh, our whole podcast set up down to KBiz. I know you're going to be there. Um, yeah. So I'm sure we'll be I'm sure we'll be doing. Uh, maybe we'll do a drunk podcast. Who knows? Uh, we'll, oh, that we'll, can get that can we'll get, see we'll see what happens. That, that could really go off the rails yeah, really, say, really fast. Trump, did he say Trump? Did he say Trump podcast? No, he's a drunk. D- not not a Trump. A drunk. <laughs> Why does everybody oh, have thought, to go I political? He, I thought he said Trump, and and my answer was, well, now I don't feel about the rabbi comment. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. Um, it was awesome. I, I really appreciate all the knowledge. It, it, it was really, really great stuff, and and I appreciate the candor and um and, and the time. Hey, listen. More importantly, I thank you guys because if it wasn't for gentlemen like you who take the time out to do something like this, because everyone knows, unless you know, no one's making no one's making a huge living off you know doing these things. This is all about from the heart and taking it out there and, and educating people. And, you know, my hat's off to you for taking the time out together to sit there and say, you know, we're going to talk to this idiot and see if we can get anything out of him. <laughs> not, not at all. I'll be telling you right now, not at all, sir. You, you have a wealth of knowledge, like Anthony said at the beginning of this, and it has been a pleasure hearing all the insight, the stories, everything that you've shared with our viewers and uh, believe me, we are going to be doing this again because there's a lot more that we can dive into. And uh, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like we could really break this out: how to pick a contract or how to pick the right client uh, and all that other stuff. There's still so much. There's so there's, much. Yeah, we just we just it, we've just put a little bit of cream cheese on the muffin. That's right, baby. Uh, and for all you guys listening out there, Steve's uh, Steve Fanuka's social media goodies and his websites, both for. Uh, his speaking engagements and for his general contracting business are all linked in the show notes. This was another episode of Home with the Cousins. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, guys, real quick before you go, we just want to say thanks for listening to the show this week. And if you have a second, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And share the show with your friends so we can keep growing this great community. Remember to check out homewiththecousins.com to read our show notes from this episode, see past episodes, download our free renovation document package, or just to send us a note. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Carino Anthony and at Culinary John. Our show is produced and edited by yours truly, with original music intro and outro created by Steve and Joseph Padula. I'm Anthony Carino, and thanks for listening.